Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. guys uh are not in a two-o hole it is a uh, shock of the century i was pretty convinced we were going to hit the, the two-o hole uh more or less immediately um there's some, something about something that does not inspire any confidence when i looked at game one and bailey ober is your starter and like is that what we were planning that's what we were planning the whole time i think what they were pla- actually I think that was a great strategy Ugh. because Bailey Ober is no, 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 no. Bailey Ober is someone who it, it sh- should just theoretically be a four ERA pitcher. Yes, that's awesome. In the middle of July, yeah, when the scores are six to four. Yep. Hey, we can do that. Not awesome in October, especially when he's he's he hit the pit. He hit the like August. Oh shit! I'm actually not that good. <laughs> uh, correction. So all he's supposed to do was keep the game in hand in like, not like this is cannot, they could not get beat up. Also, they were going to go against Astros best pitcher, right? They had time off. So you're probably going to lose. Don't throw your best pitcher against their best pitcher because it's not as good. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Twins fan. But I think it actually made a lot of sense for them to try to not get destroyed. So what do we have? Uh, let's. I, we don't have to talk about the Twins. All, I mean, the Orioles are doing about what we expected. They're going to have to win the next three to come back. Can they? I don't think they can. I think. I think asking for three wins against the Rangers team. I think anyone asking for three straight wins against the Rangers team is asking for a lot. That's a good team. Yeah, that's a really good team. It's a good team. Uh, I think they needed. They needed to win one of those two. Um, and the National League series are just just at at one game, but they they feel feels pretty intense already. Done. They feel. I mean, I they feel done. <laughs> I feel bad about uh, our our picks of Los Angeles and and um and Atlanta. I know. I mean, I think you know, this is the, but this is what what's tough about having a buy. Atlanta looked cold. Yeah, yeah, they had no offense. They had no offense in that game. That's what got them here. I know. I know that it's it. it, it, it if they played like they played during the season, that game they would have won that game, right? But they, they I mean, look, this is all game one discussion. They they could come yeah, out. They got, they've got they got four more games. They could come out and just absolutely go for it in no time here. Both these teams, yeah, the Braves are better than the Phillies. Yes, and the Dodgers are better than the Diamondbacks. <laughs> the only thing they that's guess. fun, the only thing that's fun here is that they're both uh, the same division. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that does give a little bit of a question mark. I always, you know, when it's like the in the NFL, it's even more so. You yeah. know, where it's like, ooh, that team is not nearly as good, but they're in the same division. They could, <laughs> they could squeak it out. What's interesting on the Dodgers side is that pitching is so suspect now. <laughs> you have rookies. You have Clayton Kershaw that you got to depend on. Playoff Clayton Kershaw, not regular season Clayton Kershaw. I know. He immediately, he immediately, playoff Clayton Kershaw appeared. 
It's like, what just happened? Wow. Yeah. That uh, calendar flips to October, and he's like, I don't, I don't do this. Not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. I got a plan for my Halloween costume. November. <laughs> talk to me in November, guys. <laughs> it's it's really wild. Yeah. I I don't know. I we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Are we going to talk about the two shows? I think we laid out pretty well last week what we needed to see from these two shows. And one of the two shows listened to our notes and said, okay, fine. The other show said, no, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you straight to hell, that show said. And they said, no, your premise, we have to get our main characters to the right place on the chessboard. No, we've got plenty of time. Well, ridiculously, I I mean... Of all the things, so we're talking about Ahsoka not sticking the landing, Wheel of Time, five of ten. Okay, well, but <laughs> I I thought the Wheel of Time, Wheel of Time, they took the notes and they said <laughs> we're gonna do it. Okay, guys, we'll do that, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up and we'll see you in twenty twenty five. Okay, yeah. They said eighty percent for the final grade. We got this. <laughs> so don't worry. We're not going to get a single percent higher than that eighty. That's it, B minus. We were we were pretty far into the episode before I realized like, oh, we're actually going to do the Battle of Foam. <laughs> no, we're going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, it, it kept it kept kind of like coming out in dribbles, and I was like, oh, okay. And then at some point, it was like, okay, this is happening. I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> in the end, it felt like all the pieces just suddenly got shoved into foam, like <laughs> correctly. But it was like, Whoa. yeah, but it is sort of how the books worked. The books sort of sure. worked that way where it was like, you just, uh, oh, we're all here. Yeah. I see. The timelines have converged. I think it was, I think it was the white cloaks appearing that I was just like, whoa, you guys, <laughs> you guys are going to have a big role in here? this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, a lot happened there. We're so, I know we've discussed this before. We're so off book in in a weird way that it. That when it follows the book in any sort of way, you're like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I know, I know, because it's because I usually, you know, I'll go back and I'll read, like I'll go back to the wiki for a little bit and remind myself, like, or I'll be like, I don't think that's how that happened, and then I'll go to the wiki, and then I go to the wiki, and it's like, wait, that it is how it. Hold on, <laughs> wait, wait a second. Don't yeah, don't go to the wiki. Don't go to the wiki. Just try to feel in your gut what feels right, what feels wrong. Yeah, I, and then I I I liked this, although it. You know, it had such a clear wrap-up that it felt like, okay, we're definitely taking two years off. <laughs> I know. I That is, if if they were to say, okay, <laughs> we're coming back, like, we'll see you next August, I, I'd feel better about this. I'd, I'd invest about more. That show. I'd invest more in thinking about it, for sure, as opposed to just like, well, this is just, just scratching the fantasy itch that's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but let's... Yeah. Let's pivot. We we have to talk about Ahsoka. Honestly, did not expect, did not factor into the calculus that they could let one of the three people off. <laughs> uh, neither did I. Neither did I. That is true. Uh, that's, a, uh, yeah. that's the worst case scenario, though, because now any hypothetical season two is going to cover both storylines? Mm-hmm. Ugh. We, we can't do this. We're going to feel like Bilbo. I feel like... <laughs> too much... Butter. Too much jam. Spread across too much, across butter. Too much yeah, yeah, that's right. I... I not um, enough, but no, not, not enough butter. There's not enough butter. Not enough butter. <laughs> I um, yeah, no, I I really feel that way. It's just like the show is called Ahsoka, so are we gonna mm-hmm. follow Thrawn and Ezra around? Yeah, and Sindula. Is there some scenario where 
some previously mentioned but not de- not described in detail Star Wars property is actually Thrawn and Ezra a separate show, and Ahsoka's its own thing. Oh God, I'm I'm just, is, I'm just wondering because it's well, could that could that get into the um, bounty hunter? Uh, bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Mandalorian. Mandalorian. I mean, it maybe because it sounds insane to have these be one to have both of these storylines be one show. Um, the X-wing pilot, Captain X-wing pilot, dude. Yeah, it could it could be the the gap. I could see Ezra and um, Mando hanging out. Mando's storyline is now going to is now going to be like the storyline in the Star Wars universe. Uh huh. I watched the little a little short one of the little shorts that was like behind the scenes of Ahsoka, and they're like, "We love that we're creating these characters that no one needs to have the backstory, and will be interested in love." No, I, I feel actually the opposite. You have you have only you have delved in and grabbed characters that only people that already care about them will care about. Yeah. The only thing that I'm interested in in that show is Thrawn. That's it. And that's because I have a prior relationship with Thrawn. Oh, and even yeah. even to a lesser extent the Anakin. Like the Anakin what what are we going to do with Anakin here? I'm sort of interested in that. I I like yeah. that I sort of like that little duel thing and then the, and the Again, I don't think they really earned it, but kind of fun. Well, let's let's see what what are you going to do with this? Yeah, I want more of that. If you're going to give me a taste of that, like let's go all in here. So less less vision quest on Dagobah two, which is an excellent description, and more interaction with stuff that we know. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to the bottom of this. Each time they're like this master and this master and apprentice thing relationships. Like, okay, we're going really. This is clearly. A thing that we're delving into so let's delve into it let's not just keep talking about it. let's not talk about it show me it, it is true that we they <laughs> despite all of the super interesting master and apprentice relationships at their disposal they would rather talk about them than explore any of show those. it show it like yeah let's just do a lot of sidelong glances from sabine to ahsoka instead of like going into this and balin gets like a couple monologue lines yeah, about his relationship. Also, that other apprentice just got killed randomly in the woods in episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, don't really care about him, her, it. Don't know. It looked like a droid. Yeah. Don't know. Um, we had right. that tiny little bit where they're like teaching, where Sabine was getting taught. It's like, okay, if we're gonna do that, I, you know, tell me, and I'll either sign up for that show or not sign up for that show. But it can't just. We can't be jumping around here so much. Hey, we made it through episode two, so we can handle trainings. All right, let's get to the main segment here. Uh, TGFBI postmortem. Uh, this is we're just going to shoot around just on some some basic stats here, some observations from this year. I have a few questions that I listed. We'll just uh, we'll just see where it goes from here. But let's start with some numbers. We did not do great this year. We did not do great. Yeah. We did very average, and it's borne out when you look at one of our favorite diagnostic plots, which is the distribution of all of the teams in TGFBI and where Why we... Why is the average one shit? It's messed up because it rounded. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Makes total sense now. Okay, it, gotcha. It will get fixed, but... Okay. I mean, look... Yeah, we're right in the meat of the distribution, though, in all of these. It's yes, and that immediately tells you why we are in the meat of the distribution of <laughs> in the meat of the distribution of the outcomes. The only one that we're yeah. not in the meat of the distribution is the total number of innings pitched, which is kind of amazing. 
Hey. Wow. Yeah, we need I needed to just get a lot of innings to get all those Ks. I'm slightly out outside of the meat of the distribution on Ks, right? Yeah, well I th- I don't it's it's hard to say. It looks it looks almost bimodal. I mean, we're leading so where where are we leading? We're leading in Ks oh, with you got wins. wins. Yeah, you uh but we're we're totally average in ERA, whip, runs, mm-hmm. RBIs, home runs, little under maybe saves and stolen bases, maybe a touch, but I mean you clawed way back on saves after it looked like you were going to get none. Yeah, I did. Well, I looked like a Kenley Jansen was going to be the only guy who was going to get me saves. Yeah. And we both clawed our way back a little bit on on stolen bases. Um yep. I mean, all, all in all these these distributions just tell the story of two completely pedestrian teams. Not 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 great on either side of the ball. We were perfectly average on both hitting and pitching. So it's not like it's not like one of us had amazing hitting that was propping up bad pitching. It was like Yeah, no. Hey, we, we, were we both had ball. average and average, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was gonna frame. I was gonna frame this in a, in a couple ways. I was gonna ask maybe first of all start with what we liked and didn't like about our teams this year, and then if we have anything about how we improved from last year, we'll jump into that afterward. Um, I will say, you know, thinking about things that I liked that I did this year, I worked a lot harder on picking up young guys, and especially at the end of the season, that stemmed my absolute free fall from the middle of the season. We found guys like David Schneider, who has been really discussed all over the place. I mean, not that it helped the Blue Jays a ton in the end, but he... No, no, no. He's he's good. Meaningful. Yeah, I mean, and, and continuing that on my side, I mean, Christian Encarnacion Strand yeah. ended up being a good picking up midseason. 222 at-bats, 13 home runs, 270 average. It was good. It was not, not, not exactly a shot in the arm, but... yeah. It was nice to have him versus um, the the guy who was perpetually on my team, who I didn't really want to start, Adam Frazier. <laughs> yeah, who's like re- who is replacement level. Yeah, and Carnacion Strand was slightly above our and uh, the um, replacement level. I think to go off of yours, I thought that I had a much better. It sucked that I could never break four ERA, hmm. but I kept on getting guys out there who were getting me Ks and every once in a while getting me wins. So mm-hmm. I didn't fall behind. If my strategy, if I had blown it away on hitting and had the average pitching that I did, I would have felt really good. Yeah. I just never really got the traction on the hitting side that I should. I never got the traction on the hitting side that I wanted to legitimize my pitching strategy. So, so I guess that would be something that you didn't love about your team would be and i same with me is that i had to keep investing resources in figuring out what i was doing with hitting when i really it would have been nice to spend more time trying to solve the pitching side no i think i well i sort of see it as the yeah i guess maybe this is a difference in in our two teams Hmm. i thought my pitching generally it sort of made sense throughout but it only made sense if if i had had gotten a few more hitters to really pull my team forward, but I didn't have the stable of hitters. I've in the past, my problem has been that my pitching has been god awful, yeah. and I haven't even gotten the number of starts that I needed to. So I was able to bang out way more innings pitched and way more innings pitched from not terrible pitchers. But this year, my hitting wasn't that good. You're way up here on innings pitched. I mean. Looking at let's and we'll put some numbers on this because it's going to be relevant for the second piece of this discussion. I mean, you had mm-hmm. 
nearly 1,400 innings. You logged nearly 1,400 innings this year. The the median or the the mode of the distribution is probably 1,300. I mean, you're you're substantially above that. Yeah, but if you go through, but the, the what you know what would have been really nice on my team is if I had had two pitchers <laughs> who threw 180 innings, got 180 Ks, and kept their ERA at three and their WHIP at one, yes. and that's what I thought the like. The one sigma negative outcome was for Scherzer and Alcantara. Yeah. I didn't have that. Yeah. I mean, the two of them actively hurt my <laughs> ERA and whip. Didn't come close to 180 innings. Well, I don't know if Alcantara had. He wasn't on my team. I, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, I share that similar what I didn't like about about my team was was on the on the pitching side and my take is a little bit more nuanced in the sense that i also think i did a bad job of managing my injuries like when pitchers got injured i needed to be more ready to jettison even mm, guys that I well, were good that's like, true i held on to alcantara for too long um that that wasn't that wasn't useful um i i mean i kind of i kind of kept bench spots for for pitchers for a long time that were not just not not going anywhere <laughs> with these and then i finally finally traded at the end i mean i flirted around with giovanni gallegos for a while and he kept being yeah like, that was he kept not being right and i think not being good enough to start but not being bad enough to drop yeah and i think so for me that was a management problem and i just need to i just need to again i tell myself this every year but i need to just drop more guys <laughs> just need to drop guys i know i know i know no. just 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 have to drop guys and it's just not going to work otherwise yeah but this is the problem is that we say that and then you drop cedric mullins on his that was 30 30 year that was horrible i dropped Luis arise on his the year before last in yeah. his his breakout year in minnesota and it's yeah. and it's so tough it's like oh that's the guy that i'm gonna drop fine there he goes on to have a top 60 season that you wish you could have had back Right, I guess, I guess, yeah. I mean, that that is a good side of the coin, which is that it's way better to have a have a dead ras- have a semi dead roster spot or a zombie roster spot than to drop Cedric Mullins in his top ten year. Right, but this is uh, that's the trade off. That's the tra- it's what make, makes fantasy fun. What makes this format really difficult too? Yeah, I yeah, and I think, and but I love it. I love that the bench is so restrictive that. Well, and, yep. and I, I think that our, our home league, I, I wish that our bench was more <laughs> restrictive. I don't know why. we You end up having so many opportunities to hold these players for fucking forever, yeah. even though they're not playing. Whereas when you'd hit, it's it would be like one, two, three, four, five guys would be on the IL. And it's like, I've got only two people on my bench. Yeah. And, and they're ter- they're not they're yeah. not really good enough to play, but they're not good, but not bad enough to drop. You hit that point, and you're like, mm, "What I, am I doing?" I think I feel like I'm I feel like in this off season, I want to develop an algorithmic stance on when I drop a guy. Like, what combination of injury time and ranking is going to mean auto drop for guys? I need to I need to just kind of I need I'm going to decide on that. That's a goal for me. And I think we need if we could figure that out. Like we need to figure out, okay, first month or where is it in May where it's like, okay, if a guy's on the aisle, you just got to drop him. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, uh, that's a good, 
Um, that's a good offseason card. Prompt. I really like that one. But I think, and also just to circle back to the other piece of the discussion, I mean, replacing those guys, this is going back to a slightly more positive note. Things that I liked about my team was that I was happier in the end when I replaced guys with with younger prospects. Like, I actually yeah, turned yeah, out yeah, to be yeah. really happy when we got Jordan Westberg. That actually, like, meant something. <laughs> he was actually useful to to my team, and I'd way rather have him. Um, I'd way rather have David Schneider, obviously. And this isn't to say that they're all going to work out, and that's fine to – it's really fine to cycle those guys, you know? Yeah. If they're not if they're not cutting it. Everson Pereira, okay, that didn't work out so great. Stole a couple of things. Uh, one more mechanical thing for me to mention that I didn't like about my team, which was because the rosters are so restrictive in TGFBI also, I should never have picked J.D. Martinez when I had Shohei Otani. Yep. Because Oh, good point. Good point. Utility spot. I mean, that, that was a huge, huge, huge mistake in the draft that I could not rectify because it it nullified a, a massive amount of Otani's value because I had to pitch him. Yeah. Or or sit uh-huh. Martinez, but that was you know, that's also dumb. So it I mean it's crazy how this like one draft mistake I I spent so much time this season regretting that that draft mistake. Well, I had I had the same issue, but I said it very early on. I had too many shortstops. Yeah, and just too many shortstops. And in it, we ended up we both ended up holding on to Willie Adams for far longer than we should have <laughs> for a player that he he seventy three runs, twenty four home runs, eighty RBIs, five stolen bases, two seventeen. When he's giving you, when that's like. If that's your shortstop because like you invested in a whole bunch of other places, that's awesome. Yeah. But when you had, I had Dansby Swanson and Boba Shett, and yeah. there it's like really fucking sucked because yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just had way too many shortstop. And then all the players that felt like they were available this year were middle infielders. Yeah. Because it, yep. stolen bases were so much easier. Middle infielders just accumulated the, the stolen bases. Ugh. It, yeah. I, that, I mean, that was a frustration. But at the same time, I thought Bobachet, Dansby Swan. Well, no, I, I won't even mention Bobachet. Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger, and Christian Christian Yelich and Christian Walker, all were guys that we were sort of high on in our metrics and delivered. It's yep. good. Yep. Our team would have been so bad if they hadn't. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we have a lot of time to discuss drafting strategy in the future for tgfbi i just wanted to make sure i put a pin in okay positional scarcity really matters or positional considerations really 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 matter in tgfbi gotta be careful gotta be careful about then rankings and honestly if we want to draft from rankings next year they need to reflect yeah okay uh small small other piece of this um did we improve from last year i made the same the same figure that we had uh from from this year's data from last year's data so we could just see individually how we were doing i mean kind of interesting stuff in here we're similarly in the meat of the distribution in a bunch of things our saves were wildly divergent i had a ton of saves last year you had basically no saves last year i had a few more stolen bases fewer stolen bases um but your pitching was way better also you're pitching 3.5 last year versus 4.0 this year that's i mean that's a world of difference it went the wrong direction because I just uh, the innings pitched is far higher. But another thing, yeah, that's true, and and also it's really interesting to look at the meat of the distribution ERA and WHIP this year versus last year. It's materially worse this year 
in TGFBI than it was in 2022. Like both, like ERA mode 3.5 in 2022, mode four roughly in 2023, WHIP 1.2. That WHIP is you know 1.25 maybe 1.3, um, and then you see it, you see it, you see that reflection also in the hitting stats that there's just more. You just needed more on the hitting side to make that same dent. Like you and I both got a thousand near as to a thousand runs in RBIs this year. If we got that last year, <laughs> we would have been would have been laughing. That's amazing. Yeah, what happened? I see that's what I don't fully understand cuz cuz you did the analysis where we did the stats like for the overall MLB. Now we're looking at it through a fantasy lens. There's obviously oh, well, some, I mean some at, offense here. was down was depressed last year. But this depressed? So, I mean, this is almost a 20%. You and I got almost 20% fewer runs in RBIs this year. Maybe we should see if it if it really does impact the fantasy relevant players more. I think that's I think that's a worthwhile exploration to ask whether to ask whether trends that we see in concentration MLB are actually amplified when you come into mm-hmm. you come into fantasy. Because what I would what I was hoping that I'd be able to do is predict for 2024. Okay, this is the target that I need to hit in each one of these categories. How do I assemble a team that gets me there? Well, we can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. Exactly. I, that's why I said this is what I was hoping to do. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. The ERA one is sort of... I am right in the middle of the distribution this year at, at 4.0. And last year was just off the middle of the distribution. And that was, well, very close to the um, mode, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it, clearly something was different about pitching in fantasy this year relative to relative to last year. And The top it, was terrible this year. It's one of the big things. I think for ERA and WHIP, for sure, because if you look at the K distribution, the K distribution is not that different from this year to no. last year. You could pack on the Ks, but the the uh, actual is not. Ref- I mean, as I said, you know, the Sandy and Scherzer just were terrible. It should have been good. Yeah. But oh well, I, I mean, Luis Castillo was pitcher number one, two, three, four, five, six ish, three thirty three ERA. Uh, it tells it tells you everything, I guess. You need to know. Zach Eflin is... was number seven. At so that, I mean, so that really that really does suggest that the trends in offense are going to be amplified in fantasy, especially on the hitting side. And it kind of makes sense, right? Because those top twenty pitchers are always going to be owned. If those top twenty pitchers, on average, are worse in ERA that's going to directly reflect in fantasy. Well, I mean, we could look at this. This is another thing that we can look at is it, we basically said there's a run more a game. Didn't yeah. we say that? Yeah. Basically, it's like a little bit under a run more a game. Was that did that hit the starting pitchers and not the relievers? I mean, this would suggest yes, right? Um, let's take a look and see if we can figure that out. That's it does. That just that further changes the the alchemy here of like maybe you could do an all middle relievers <laughs> i love it well that's that's good because right. if you can that's part of the the prop as we found an issue with going a heavy middle relievers route was that one run really hit you hard yeah. there yeah and so it would it would blow you up but if the other side is even higher if you have more room to play with in the ERA side, with the um, starting pitchers being worse, I I think there's right, fun we'll, stuff we'll here. I, so we've identified some really nice stuff to improve for next year. A couple projects that can come straight out of this analysis. Um, 
hopefully have a material impact on getting us into the both into the well into the top one day percent one day okay i think that about brings us to the review session matt mervis how quickly how quickly he became irrelevant uh you know that, that's not entirely true so there there's obviously a discussion right. he's never relevant <laughs> discussion points to have on matt mervis he played 27 <laughs> games this year 99 plate appearances so i don't know maybe we want to multiply all these by six <laughs> no okay so <laughs> <laughs> runs he had eight rbis he had 11 home runs he had three stolen bases zero and a 167 average um but why are we talking about him we're talking about him because he's a prospect mm-hmm. and people drafted him like a prospect and that was a giant mistake because he only played in july essentially i mean you have to look you have to look at his um his lineup stuff Cubs brought him up, uh, kind of. So what's what's his what's his first game appearance? All right, so he appears. So he appears in May, and then he plays for s- some number of games, not that many. <laughs> he plays till June, and then he's down. Well, I mean, this is the same problem that um, Crow, right? The other yeah, big Pete prospect, Crow Armstrong, right? Had was that the Cubs were just a little bit too good for the for the youth movement? Yeah. Well, they're kind of convergent, right? Because we already talked about Trey Mancini in this review session. In these review sessions, who mm-hmm. was also a Cub for some, it shares shares some. I'm looking at him right next to Matt Mervis in these lineups. A couple <laughs> of these lineups. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I agree with you. The Cubs were a little bit too good to kind of be farting around with hoping things worked out, either in the form of Trey Mancini or in the form of of Matt Mervis. They needed a little bit more security on some level from guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, the, the only, I interesting, guess I, uh, the only interesting question about Matt Mervis is, is he interesting for next year? We'll we make it up next year. Well, why don't we read the important um, stats regarding that? He is 25 years old. Yeah. He is allegedly 6'2", 225. Random video. What am I doing a Home run, a K, or a hit by pitch? <laughs> I don't think the hit by pitch is going to tell us much about whether he makes the majors next. Let's see the home run swing. Fine. Wow. When he hits it, he hits that hard, doesn't I mean, he, he? He did hit 22 home runs hard in, in AAA this year, which is not which is not nothing. He's got a very lackadaisical stance. <laughs> he, he's got a stance that looks like I'm Matt Mervis. I'm Matt Mervis. You should know me. <laughs> the Merv. <laughs> And who was playing first base for the Cubs? Well, that, that's the thing, right? Is that it was kind of a mess. Uh, that team was a mess this year. It was a hot mess. Fun, hot mess. Well, they had. I mean, they had. They had things to to really like, right? I mean, they had a semi resurgent Cody Bellinger. They had Ian Happ. They had Dancy Swanson. Nico, Nico Horner, Horner did well. Was meaningful for fantasy. I mean, they, they had lots. They had lots of of meaningful guys. I mean, they're. You can see why at the end their lineups at the end of the season look like a team that just missed the playoffs, which is the team that they right. Yeah. And Matt Mervis is not yet, and maybe never will be part of a team that just misses the playoffs or makes the playoffs. I mean, I agree with that. I feel kind of bad because it's it's really hard to make predictions about like, well, what does it mean to have a guy who hits one sixty seven in the majors? Like, are we seeing what he does? If we saw a guy who hit one sixty seven, two eighteen, Babbitt. He's not fast. I mean, his thirty. 2.3% K rate. It's bad. Ah, that is. I think they probably brought him up because his his rate was um, 14.6. And they probably said, as soon as you stop 
striking out all the time, bring you up. Got brought up, struck out all the time. Went back down, struck out all the time. <laughs> but he, I mean, he... Will he be relevant he next year? Well, he had a really good 2022, which is why people drafted him this year. You know, at big caveats, right? We're talking about him way late in the drafting in the drafting year. But people, yeah, people names? thought we should take a flyer around this place. I think he only damaged his prospects, his fantasy prospects, by appearing this year. I assume that he gets... Yeah, yeah. I assume he goes down from wherever he was. There will be... You can mark my words on this. There will be some Matt Mervis hype heading into somewhere in some corner of fantasy next year, heading into the draft. People will yeah. draft Matt Mervis because he, cause he has the guys who's drafted around. Yeah, I'd love to know. Michael King, Heimer Candelario, okay. Edward Olivares, Matt Mervis, okay. Gary Cooper, Ronaldo Lopez, AJ Puck, Joy Bart. That's actually where he was ranked. I'm sorry. I sh- okay. Wow. Okay. One thing that's pretty astounding. His average ranking was 449.3, which put him in around 384 total when you rank order that. Okay. His ADP was 497. So, oh. So people did, no one was drafting him. He was sort of like a, ooh, guy for fantasy analysts, and and that didn't really work. Oh, okay. (laughs) So we got, so here's who we had Will Brennan, Hmm. Jason Dominguez, Blake Sobal, Bryce Tourang. Matt okay. Mervis, so he's, Joe Adele, David Peralta, Austin Barnes, Miguel Cabrera. So he's in the middle of prospects or like desperation picks. Yeah. Maybe he'll come back and yeah and have his spot. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, don't draft, but I'm glad it's a name that we've thrown out. Let's leave it at that. Yep. Who are we doing next week? Juan Yepes. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Sea. Thank you, Mild Mariner, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions and comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Sea. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!